Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port with you on a very snowy Tuesday. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Just had to fact check myself quickly that it is, in fact, Tuesday by looking at a calendar. Nateel, how are you? Good. I'm a little jealous of your snow. We've just gotten mist down here. Yeah. Which is kind of disgusting. It's we, almost December. Let's just let it snow. Yeah. I, I have uh, I have snow blowed the driveway four times since yesterday. So I'm less we, jealous now. We got a lot. We got a lot of snow out here. We got a lot of snow in south central North Dakota, and that's what I want to talk about our guest, uh, Paul Laney, who, of course, is a very busy man, so we're going to get right to it. Phone number 701-293-9000. Toll-free number is 888-970-9329. Uh, Email is talk at com. You can tweet me to at Rob Port. Uh, Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney. Uh, Sheriff Laney, first of all, yesterday, Governor Dalrymple uh, ordering an evacuation of the campsites. Have we been seeing people leave? What, what's going on with that? What's, what's the latest? Well, hey, Rob. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on today. You know, right now we're still trying to assess that, and the weather is so horrible down here. Uh, you know, we're just uh, you're really kind of trying to monitor what's happening and make sure everybody is safe, uh, both at this end and that end. Uh, you know, conferring with uh, our BIA uh, law enforcement partners uh, that are coming off the, the reservation, but a lot of cars in the ditches, that type of stuff over there as, as well as up here. And uh, so whether there's gonna, there's been a, a mass exodus or anything yet, we're just going to kind of have to assess that. I really hope that a combination of the fact that they've had three and a half months to get their, their opinion out. Uh, everybody knows their stance on, on where this is at. The fact that uh, the governor has issued the order, the fact the Corps has now given the letter saying you need to, to leave the land, and the fact that Mother Nature now has shown up in full force. Uh, this is a good old-fashioned North Dakota winter here, and I'm sure a lot of them out there, especially from the western parts of the United States, had no idea what this was like till today. And uh, so, uh, you know, we're hoping that they, they, they do. Uh, we, are, are, we would love to see everybody say, okay, our message is out, time to go home. Uh, whether that's going to, you know, we'll have to talk over the next few days uh, and see what happens. Right now it's too, it's too hard to tell. Have you, have you heard about any, have there been any emergencies? Have there been any problems with, I, I know it can get very, very dangerous when temperatures drop, when we get this amount of snow, um, people are, are maybe using uh, structures that uh, were, were slapped together pretty quickly or, or tents that were not intended to be used. Have there been any emergencies? And I hope not, but I mean, has there been anything, any indication that people are having trouble or, or are in danger there? You know, we have heard some calls, uh, you know, monitoring the radio from, from uh, a BIA and from the, uh, the ambulance service thought they had been called into the camps. I know they've had some issues getting in and out of there. I guess snow removal is, is uh, I mean, it's hard for anybody right now, as you can see where you're at, to keep up with snow. I mean, you, you talk about blowing your driveway out four times in the last 24 hours. This same way down here, we clean the roads, and, man, within an hour, they're packing back in. And uh, so they, there has been some calls for that. I, I myself, just on my way uh, coming back from a, a meeting uh, in town, was coming back to the staging area. I just come through the T's, was coming up to the traffic control point, and there's a, a car with Washington plates in the ditch uh, pulled up to the TCP. And it was, it's ironic. Uh, it was uh, the individual had pulled up, wanted to go through, couldn't, was from the protest site. Uh, very mouthy uh, with the, the officers uh, that were there uh, and the guard members that were there, and then turned around and went straight into the ditch and then asked for help. Uh, karma, karma can be, 
can be something sometimes, can it? Yeah. And, well. uh, so uh, when I talk to him, I'm like, where are you from? Well, we're from California. No gloves, tennis shoes on, no oh. warm clothes. And I'm like, what are you doing down here? This isn't a game. Well, we just wanted to come and see what it was like. Well, do you see what it's like? It's not what you thought, was it? And, and the female part of it, no, it wasn't. And then the male who was pretty mouthy, I think, was pretty humble as he realized I am in an element, and without these guys' help, I'm, I'm not going to get out of here. And, of course, we do what we do. We're law enforcement officers. We may differ in, in our opinion of what they're doing and, and coming here to help uh, an illegal protest, but we helped them, and we got them a record, and we're getting them rolling, and, and, and that's what we do. So it is very dangerous conditions down here. And these they come in. They're coming in from all over the country, and they have no idea how to survive in a North Dakota winter, just basic stuff like gloves on your hands and decent shoes on your feet. Well, it's, you know, the winters here are no joke, which people who are from here don't need any reminder of. But from all the people we have from out of state, I guess they're getting a wake-up call. 701-293-9000. You want to join the program, 888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. What's the status on, on allowing people into the camp? That was one thing. I know when, when the governor's order went out yesterday, I spoke with Cecily Fong at the Department of Emergency Services. And one thing that she said is that the order will allow law enforcement to block new supplies and new people from, from entering the camps. Is that is that going on, Sheriff? You know, the, the order just came out, and right now we're completely in just winter response mode. So we're going to have to assess over the next couple of days, uh, you know, to the extent of what that is. I, I think right now it's more of a notification to, like, businesses and you know that are out there people that are out there that hey you know this is an illegal protest they're illegally occupying lands they're not supposed to be on they are illegally um you know they're going to be in violation of, of even of the core order here shortly and you can't support that so are we out right now stopping cars and stopping trucks to do that no we are not absolutely not uh does the order allow that in the future for us to say hey you've left the camp you're not going back uh, I, I imagine it does, you know, it, 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 it just came out, you know, in the last 24 hours. So we're, we're assessing it ourselves from how does the governor's executive order affect us here in law enforcement and, and what do we do with that? But I, my hope is that like a lot of the businesses and that type of stuff realize that you can't be bringing, you know, comfort things down. You can't be bringing, you know, supplies to build illegally on somebody else's property and, and that stuff would stop. And I guess if we come across that, we'll certainly assess it and deal with it then. But as of right now, we're, we're just in winter storm response mode down here and trying to help people that need the help and, and keep our officers safe and, and, um, yeah. and, and just monitoring what's happening there. Uh, and, and I just want to drill down on that point. And I, I know what, what you're saying. I mean, it's, it's a new order. Things are very fluid. So how this is going to play out, I know, is still very much up in the air. But it seems to me we have the governor's order. We have a deadline coming up that was issued by the Corps where they want people off the land. I, I think when, when some of that first stu- stuff came out, a lot of people's minds, I know certainly my mind, went to, you know, are, are we going to force people off the land? You know, are we going to send law enforcement or, or some other authorities in there to, to remove people from the land? And, but, but would it be a better tactic to maybe just stop? I mean, if, if the Corps doesn't want them there and it's an illegal camp, is there is there a point at which law enforcement could just set up a checkpoint and say no you can't go in there you know people can certainly leave but new people can't come back in 
Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, you know, and that, and that I think even under the orders of the sheriff, under what the state statutes under under the orders of the sheriff and the duties of the sheriff, we could probably do that. You know, we've been trying to be the ones to not escalate this at all. We've been trying to be the ones to show that uh, any any confrontations or any escalations come from that. But as this winter gets more deadly, and as people uh, are are in this environment here, and now with the executive order. Um, it's very easy that we could establish uh, points like that and say, you can come out. In fact, please do. Uh, but once you leave, you're not going back in. And, and that's, you know, we're not in a position to do that. We're not doing that. Uh, but certainly the order would allow us to do that. 701-293-9000, Let's get, we got a couple minutes left with the, uh, the sheriff. Let's get through some of these calls. Uh, first up, Gerald, go ahead. Yeah, Sheriff, uh, with all these cars there, have you been able to, like, uh, run these license plates and see if there's any outstanding warrants on any of these people and get some of these dirt bags that way? You know, our traditional law enforcement practices, we certainly do. Like, you know, like the car in the ditch, when we came across them, we handle it like we would any other car in the ditch. We identify the driver. We want to run the status of their driver's license. And when we run a driver's license, it automatically gives us a warrants check. And so we do that if we come across uh, people. Uh, we, we follow our standard law enforcement practices. Uh, so that, that's been happening all along. And we certainly have identified some customers, that, that some rough players that are in those camps. Absolutely. Gerald, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to uh, next caller. Jason, you're up. Hello, Jason. Hello. Yeah, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to know, how do you even justify being a part of this as a, as a sheriff of the law? Like, Aren't you even coming from out of your jurisdiction to even be involved in this? Uh, nope. That, we are North Dakota peace officers, Jason, so we are... Not only are we well within our jurisdiction, we're well within our parameters. This is. Uh, but how are you on your jurisdiction action? on land that is that is not even American land? I think this that is over. that's their that, that's well, their. Well, Jason, I you know we can certainly have that debate it, t- today as the law stands today, and it's certainly not uh, as, as the courts have have adjudicated this today. That land is American land. It's Morton County land. There's certainly reservation land down in that area. There's U.S. core land in that area as well. Uh, the way the law stands today, that is American land. Now, I, I realize some of the tribal folks differ. That has been a long, ongoing dispute. It's been heavily litigated in the past. But, Sheriff Laney, certainly your job today is to enforce the law as it is today. And as it is today, that land is, is American land that you have to you know, you know, and, and maybe on Jason's head, going on with, with what you're saying uh, as well, Rob, and, and to answer Jason's question, uh, a little less confrontational here is the fact that yeah the law speaks the law of the land for 2016 says that it's U.S. Army Corps land it's it's this the situation is what it is but at the same time how do we justify being here to ask this question because if the law changed tomorrow and let's say let's just say Jason waved his magic wand and the law now says that that goes back to the tribe and that there's no jurisdiction anymore for anybody to be here and uh, and the courts of uh, the American courts rule uh, the federal courts rule that that's the case guess what we're going to enforce that because that's what the rule of law would tell us to enforce uh, and then I'm sure he'd be more than happy to have us down here for enforcing that rule so we don't get to pick and choose the the law we enforce the people of this great country decide what laws they want and then we enforce them as their law enforcement officers it's that simple all right we got about a minute left with the sheriff Taylor you're next what's up uh, hi, Sheriff Laney. I was just wondering why you threatened those girls in the restaurant after you called them over to have a conversation and didn't like what they said to you. All right, we'll let, you, uh, we'll let the sheriff respond. I'll, I'll, I'll gladly answer that. First of all, we didn't threaten the girls in the restaurant, and two, we didn't call them over. 
they were exiting the restaurant as we were sitting having a dinner. In fact, we recognized them from earlier in the day at the protest out front of the LEC. And when we were going to be seated by it, we actually asked to be seated at another part of the restaurant uh, where we could kind of have a quiet meal. And as they were leaving, they came right by our table and made eye contact. So I was very polite. And I just said, hey, ladies, heading back to the camps, or are you staying in town tonight? They came over to us, sat down. We had a very good conversation for about four minutes. There's a reason. There's only 20 seconds of about a four-minute conversation because when she started having her temper tantrum, when she didn't agree uh, that we she, – she, we, she wanted us to, to agree that we were on line Sunday night at the bridge. And as we explained to her the events of the night, she didn't like our version. It started disturbing the whole restaurant. That's when Chief Ziegler asked her to leave. That's when she started filming. And that's the whole story. For the most part, it was pretty non-eventful. And actually, it was a really good conversation right up until she didn't like the answer. And uh, so, yeah, that, that was, that's what happened. And the really ironic part was she didn't show the uh, 65-year-old woman who was uh, yelling at her to get out of the state, quit disturbing the <laughs> restaurant and everything else. It's a very selective video. Uh, there's a reason there was only 20 seconds and not all four minutes, because the other four minutes would have showed her so favorable. Sheriff, thanks for your time. I know you're busy. We'll let you go. All right, Rob. You have a great day. Uh, stay dry. Yeah, you too. You too. Uh, Cass County, Cass County Sheriff Paul Laney. More to come straight ahead. 701 Welcome back, Rob Report. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. You know, I, everybody is treating this this move to, to cut off supplies to, to the camp, and, and as Sheriff Laney just said, it's it's not happening yet. Uh, that is something that they feel the governor's uh, executive order yesterday gives law enforcement permission to do. It's not necessarily something that they're doing yet. Uh, and I would actually hope, you know, may, maybe in the middle of a blizzard is not the, the best time to try to implement something like that. But certainly by the time we maybe get past that December 5th date set by the Army Corps where they want people off this land, I think that's a, I think that is a sound strategy to address those those camps, um, because the alternative is to go in there and, and, and to clear everybody off. And I think that's going to set up uh, a sort of a violent uh, confrontation between law enforcement and, and the protesters. I don't think that would go well, but I certainly think that if, if if we set up a situation where they're not allowed to bring in supplies, they're not allowed to bring in building supplies to continue building permanent structures on that land, which is specifically illegal, um, I think that's a sound strategy. I really do. Uh, I, I don't think it's an illegal camp. They're trespassing by being there. Certainly after the December 5th date, they'll be trespassing when they're being there. Uh, I don't see that the state has any requirement to continue allowing supplies to, to flow to illegal camps. Let's see. we got a couple callers here. Let's power through them real quick. Bob, you're first. What's up? Yeah, I read on the national level. I was just I was going to ask him if it was true or not, but that some female journalist there at the site got shot with one of these rubber bullet things that you use in a drug raid to knock down the door like 30 feet away and she you know, had like kidney damage and stuff 
Uh, you know, that was a while. I, if, if I'm thinking of the one you're thinking of, that was a while ago. Um, that was several weeks ago. She certainly claimed uh, that she was shot by one of those rounds. I'm not sure that there's been any proof that I've seen, but certainly the police are using that. And if she's in with the protesters, um, you know, trespassing or charging the barricades or whatever, and she got hit by a beanbag round, then, you know, I, I, I guess that I guess that happens. Uh, police are using those sorts of tactics. And, and frankly, given the behavior of the, the protesters, I think it's justified. Uh, let's see. Next caller, Jefferson, you're up. Uh, hi, I just want to briefly clear up a lie that was told by Sheriff Laney. Uh, in the video you all were discussing, it can be seen clearly that the officers are acknowledging calling the girls over there to start that conversation for which they threatened them. First of all, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know that that necessarily. Okay. I don't. I don't. Well, hold on, Jefferson. Hold on, Jefferson. Hold on. Blah 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 blah. blah. All right. Okay, Jefferson. Hold on. First of all, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. What about those? Are we concerned with those, or is it just native people you want to prosecute? I don't. I don't think that law enforcement's done anything illegal. I think it's unfortunate that that the protesters, who, by the way, these days it seems like most of the violent protesters are not Native American. They seem like like white liberals from the West Coast. But whatever. When 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 a group of them charge at law enforcement, ignoring law enforcement areas to clear a public area that they have lawfully closed, when they riot and they attack law enforcement and shoot them with slingshots and everything. I don't feel bad when law enforcement uses a fire hose or tear gas or anything else as crowd control, right? If you fight with cops, you might get hurt, and that's unfortunate, but law enforcement's not doing anything wrong here. Law enforcement's in the right here, and I say that as somebody who has been more than happy to criticize law enforcement and the warrior cop mentality and even the militarization of law enforcement in the past. I have that. I have, I have all of that. I have been critical of all of that, but in this instance... Law enforcement's in the right, and the people who are creating the problems are the protesters. 701-293-9000, uh, We're going to switch topics. We're going to talk Marzi's Law. South Dakota is having a big problem implementing some portions of Marzi's Law. By the way, the same portions that are in Marzi's Law for North Dakota. We're going to talk with Aaron Burst from the State's Attorney Association about what some of those difficulties may be. 701-293-9000, We'll be right back. Well, I'm better off with water. A couple of emails to close out our last segment. By the way, it's Rob Report here on WDAY. Kyle emails, blocking supplies is... Blocking blocking supplies to protesters is reprehensible because these are fellow Americans who want to stop a project that could, well, poison their drinking water with oil. Listen, nobody's drinking water is getting oiled we have, or getting poisoned. We have thousands of pipelines across this country. The drinking water is fine. Um, as far as it being reprehensible, I, I, think it's, I think it's better than trying to clear the camps out by force. Listen, they don't have any right to be in that camp. So I don't think the state's under any obligation to continue allowing supplies and people to flow into that camp, uh, particularly after December 5th. Uh, let's see. Emailer uh, Sean says, uh, in terms of the people criticizing law enforcement's use of uh, uh, tear gas and things like that, would they prefer law enforcement uses lethal force? If they don't have less than lethal options, what other force can they use to protect themselves and the public? It's a good point. 
The people breaking the law, the people acting aggressively, are the protesters. Law enforcement's trying to uphold the law, and things like beanbag rounds are are a tool that they have available to them. I don't think they take any joy out of using them, but sometimes they have to. All right. We are going to uh, shift gears. We're going to talk about Marzi's Law. We have Aaron Burst from the North Dakota State's Attorney Association. Uh, South Dakota also, you know, in North Dakota here, we passed a constitutional amendment called Marzi's Law uh, by a wide margin. South Dakota, they also passed the law. But now South Dakota, according to the Argus leader, is having problems because... Law enforcement's basically saying, particularly the Sioux Falls police are saying, they're no longer going to share with the public where criminal behavior takes place. Um, and they're not going to do that because of a part of the law which says, I quote, the disclosure of information on records that could be used to locate or harass the victim or the victim's family or which could disclose confidential or privileged information about the victim and to be notified of any request for such information on records. Marzi's Law says uh, victims have, have that right. So law enforcement saying, listen, we can't, lo- we can't notify people where crimes are occurring anymore. And by my reading of the law... Th- they seem to be in the right. I don't like it. I don't think I don't think law enforcement down there likes it, but that's Marzi's law. And so the question is, are we going to see a similar impact here in North Dakota? And that's the first question for my guest, Aaron. Uh, you know, as, as since this law has passed, is, is this the sort of thing we could see in North Dakota as well? Uh, hey, Rob. Uh, first off, just thanks for having me on. Uh, and I got to yeah. give you a shout out for you were you were carrying a good message and you you really worked hard on uh, on making sure that people understood this. So, uh, but but regarding your question, um, I, I think it's I think it's it's possible. Now I can't speak for what law enforcement folks are going to do, uh, but everybody is trying to struggle on how to identify uh, moving forward with this issue. You know, the, the issue passed, so now we're, we're trying to implement it. But, uh, of course, any time you identify uh, where a crime occurred, that has the potential impact of locating, uh, basically telling where the victim is. So we're trying to balance those two things, and we're, we're really struggling. 701-293-9000, We have a caller, Robert, who wants to uh, talk about this issue. Go ahead, Robert. Uh, hi, I'm actually originally from California, uh, where this law uh, took place. Uh, it's one of the first ones. Sure. And uh, the main problem is, you know, they can't really report criminals like um, Sheriff Laney, uh, who would, you know, call women over to his table just to harass them needlessly, or any of these people who are spraying grenades and water at protesters who are being peaceful. So it seems to be a conflict of interest as well that might uh, protect them in a way. All right. Okay. Well, Robert, we're going to move on and actually talk about this issue and no more uh, childish, uh, you know, made-up stuff about peaceful protesters who don't seem to exist at the Dakota Access protest because they have not been peaceful. Anyway, back to Marzi's Law. Uh, Tell us, I mean, have, have you heard, I mean, certainly, you know, state's attorneys are a part of this. What are some of the obstacles that have been identified so far in implementing this law? Well, I mean, the the first one is just how do you get the information out now to the victims? Uh, by law, we now have to provide them these cards, and we're struggling with what do the cards say, uh, who should those cards go to? Uh, the the definition of victim is very broad, so does that mean uh, you know obviously the person who's involved in a domestic violence would get one, but uh, what are you going to do when there's uh, you know a bar fight and there's multiple. Uh, 
potential victims or at least witnesses. So uh, we're, we're struggling with implementing that. And then just the technical pieces of what do you do with the court system when somebody comes in at the initial appearance wanting to plead guilty, uh, but you don't have any documentation that the victim has the right to be at that hearing. So you, you're really struggling with do you postpone that hearing or do you do something else? 701-293-9000 if you want to join the program talking about Marzi's Law, 888-970-9329, email talk at wday.com uh how i mean how how does that get worked out i mean i i think i think for the public you know it's it's like they vote for the measure and then they just sort of don't grasp how these processes work in the background to to match up you know events happening in the real world with what the law now says when does marzi's law actually become law i mean is, is it law now yeah, uh, it'll be 30 days from the time of the uh, canvassing board uh, certification. So I'm, I'm thinking it's around December 12th or so. Okay. Uh, obviously, the election was on November 8th, so there's a few more days on the other side. But, yeah, in relatively a couple of weeks, we've got to figure it out. Um, and, again, uh, credit to the media and, and you in particular who actually dove down and looked at some of these issues. It, it, it's not as easy as you... Uh, you know, first would think it would be. Uh, the criminal justice system is a, is a system, and when you throw in these new wrenches that have unknowns, I mean, you're going to have to litigate it, and, we'll, and what's done is done. But now we've got to, unfortunately, spend time in court to try to figure out what to do with this. You know, one thing that, that I was hearing a lot from is, is criminal defense attorneys speaking to me, uh, you know, basically saying they're going to go out and even even elements of this law that they don't like, they're going to demand that it be enforced exactly as the law written with with their eye towards illustrating how ill-advised it was to pass this law in the first place. Because and, and, and they were talking about things such as, you know, notifications to victims and all that uh, to, to because the, the law really is broad and it really is poorly written. And I, I, I think it puts a lot of onus on the state to do a lot of things that aren't really going to help victims all that much but are going to create a lot of headaches just in terms of, of that process from a crime occurs, somebody's arrested, somebody's arraigned, somebody, uh, you know, through that criminal justice system that it just creates a lot of problems. Yeah, well, I mean, you're 100% right. I mean, that's what you're seeing in South Dakota, where now the, the media might not get exposed to the data they had before because you're, you're worried about... I mean, in our business, we take constitutional rights seriously, whether it's the defendant, whether it's the victim now, it's a big deal. And so now we're nervous that, well, if you violate somebody's constitutional rights, there's going to be a problem. And so, you know, there are a lot of folks that are saying out of the abundance of caution, we're going to not allow any of this to be identified because ultimately we have to balance all of this. It's it's been a real struggle. So we'll, I guess. We'll and, and what, I mean, because because well, I mean, what's the alternative? I mean, because that was something like in South Dakota, they're saying, okay, we can't notify people where where crime. And this is in Sioux Falls specifically. We can't notify where people where or the media or, or the public where crimes are occurring. Um, and and I mean, what, but what's I mean, if, if if they didn't do that, and somebody felt that their 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 Marzi's law rights that are in the state constitution now were violated, I mean, what's what's their record? Do they sue the state? Is that how that works? Well, I mean, that that's certainly going to be litigated. Uh, now, in fairness, the measure does say that there's not supposed to be a private cause of action. In other words, uh, you can't sue the government for violating these. But on the one hand, first off, we're going to try to implement somebody's constitutional rights. But on the, on the second hand, what a lot of folks are scared about is, well, okay, if there's no private uh, course of action, well, what if they file an ethics charge against me for not honoring their constitutional rights? Uh, 
regardless of whether the state pays out money or not, if somebody's license is on the line for violating this, that's a problem. Um, so it's it's in, a, in referring to that story, they said it's an opt out. Well, yeah, I agree that it's an opt out on paper, but systems don't work with an opt out versus an opt in. You're going to right. have to make a decision that says, hey, we're going to have to assume they're in until they say we're out because we don't want to send something out when somebody said they were opting in and it turns out that in, they, in fact, didn't. You know what I'm saying? we got a caller, Ken, and I want to get to him in a moment. Let me, uh, uh, maybe hypotheticals aren't the best way to illustrate this, but I was thinking because, you know, we just recently had an event on campus where somebody, you know, drove a car into people and then was stabbing people or whatever. Could it be, I mean, and, and certainly going back to the way Sioux Falls is interpreting this, would they be, if, if there was like an active, heaven forbid, an, an active shooter situation, under Marzi's law, could law enforcement notify the public where that was happening? I, I think I think you would definitely have to look at all the data you're putting out to the, the media to make sure you couldn't identify those people who were actually the victims. Oh. Um, and, and so if that entails that you said uh, Aaron and Rob were on this location, uh, you would have to say you couldn't say Aaron and Rob were on this location. Uh, you know, you could give the generals, uh, yeah. but if you can identify where you and I might be living, if that's our college dorm room, you've just identified that we live at, at Churchill Hall, and that would violate the statute then. What a what a nightmare. We got, Let's get to uh, Ken. Ken's been waiting patiently. Go ahead, Ken. Hey, I've just heard this gentleman who seems very nice use the word struggle at least half a dozen times and litigate. And, you know, for, for me, when I was with my kids, it, it was always cut cut to the chase. When there was nap time, it was head on pillow, eyes closed, no talking. Whatever else you could do under those circumstances, fine. But I can enforce those three rules. Once you lay out something vague, and I get it, I don't want to be the mean guy that says I don't like victims, but you're laying down this this multi-layered, nobody knows what it means, and now it's a law, and of course everybody's going to cover their rear ends because nobody wants to lose their job yeah. or, or, or be on social media as the guy that fingered you know, you know, somebody. It, it's, it's just a, a downward spiral, and, and nobody understands. It's like, it's like tax law. Yeah, well, I, I, and Ken, I think that's the advantage sort of if, if I mean, this this went straight to the ballot. It's a very complicated piece of law. It went straight to the ballot. But I, I think that's the benefit of maybe putting something through the legislative process where the legislature could sort of create a sense of, of what's intended with the law. And, and and certainly, you know, you can have all those different stakeholders come in and, and make amendments to the law and, and make sure that everybody knows what to expect when the policy comes place. With with the ballot measure system, we passed it, and now we got to figure out how the heck it's actually going to work. Yeah, I agree with that, and, and and if I'm giving a perception that we are struggling with it, that's 100% true. And it's not to, to CYA. Uh, this is a legitimate concern that we're trying to figure out how you implement this policy, and we really had no uh, say in how you implement it, and we're the people who are in the trenches that have to do it. So, it, you know, I understand the frustration of the caller, but we're frustrated on the prosecutor side, too. And, and we'll get through it. We always get through it. The sky won't fall. The world won't end. But it's going to come with a price. Real quick, we got Brian. About thirty seconds left. Brian, go ahead. Say, unfortunately, say there was an active shooter situation at a school, like you mentioned earlier, and somebody goes on social media and says, you know, uh, alerts all their friends that there's an active shooter situation, and unfortunately, they notify one of the victim's parents or something like that. Could that person be held held uh, for doing something illegal? Uh, well, that's a good that's a good question.
Marcy's law says you have a constitutional right uh, not to uh, provide information that, that you could use to locate a victim. Um, the, as I mentioned before, there's a provision that says you can't sue the government if they do, if they do uh, give that information out. There, there's no prohibition for those private course of actions against a non-government employee. So it's, it's a potential out there. Um, I'm not saying it's going to happen, and I would hope it doesn't happen. Uh, but but that is not uh, discussed under the law. If I violate somebody's constitutional rights as a non-government attorney, um, it, it, I would expect somebody would have some sort of recourse against me for that. Aaron, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Rob. Anytime. That's Aaron Burr, State's Attorney Association. Hey, that's it for the show today. Ran out of time. Remember, you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. By the way, those of you wanting to discuss the Dakota Access situation, Jay Thomas is going to continue the discussion next hour, so stay tuned for that. I'm Rob Port. We'll talk again.